for EdmontonOilers.com. You're listening to Oilers In-Depth, the podcast, with your hosts, Kate Pedersen and Tony Brar. Oilers fans, welcome to another edition of Oilers In-Depth, the podcast. Tony Brar here from my bedroom once again, joined alongside uh, the great Kate Pedersen. Kate, uh, I know... The dogs have left. Uh, you fostered them for about a week. Uh, just maybe take us through the experience. How was it? I was a single parent. It is absolutely <laughs> exhausting. They were so adorable and so much fun, but they play hard for an hour, sleep for two, and that's kind of the cycle. Yeah. Even through the night, I got them sleeping for four hours. And that felt like a serious accomplishment through the night. But now I know how single parents feel and so much respect to them because I was just dying for my coffee. And the minute they went down for their first nap, it was, okay, shower, laundry, clean, <laughs> just running <laughs> around frantically. You had to be yeah, efficient. Yeah, and my, my cousins have a baby and I called them and I just said, guys, I get it. I get it now. <laughs> I get the running around with the messy pony and all that. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. And uh, I've since parted ways with them just because I'm going to head back to Toronto for a little bit while yep. we wait out this pause. 100%. And uh, obviously, Wayne and Parker are obviously now in good hands. Uh, we're in good hands with Kate uh, fostering them for about a week. Uh, but I hope you can also catch up on some sleep when you get back to Toronto, Kate. Yeah, definitely. 35-hour <laughs> drive. So... I'll be ready for sleep, Yeah, but I know you've been gaming and uh, keeping yourself entertained with the fam and everyone. Yeah, 100%. I've been working out a lot, uh, still doing Insanity, and been playing a lot of video games, uh, truthfully, and uh, playing some Chell, playing some FIFA, playing some Madden, so the typical sports game, and then uh, we'll, we'll jump on the Nintendo Switch here and there and, and play some uh, board games with my family, so obviously practicing social distancing they're at their places on their switches i'm at my place with my switch we're playing risk we're playing monopoly we're playing settlers of Catan. you name it so still getting that board game fix in kate so it's been nothing but good times but oiler fans uh if you missed our last episode kate and i are still practicing social distancing because she's set up at her house and i'm set up at my house i'm literally sitting in my bed with my laptop in front of me doing this and kate what's your setup looking like right now Surrounded by moving boxes on my couch <laughs> that is going to be here for a few more hours. Oh, wow, a lot going on. When I get back, it's a little bit warmer in the Toronto area. I'm going to be up at the farm isolating for another 14 days once I get there. And I have got the golf clubs packed in the car. And yep. I am plotting what sort of trick shots I can come up with <laughs> when I get there. You know what else is common? Uh, binge watching TV shows. And that's where our first guest comes in. Uh, this best of podcast featuring special guests uh, throughout season two. And we're going to kick things off with Dylan Playfair, who is the son of associate head coach Jim Playfair. Obviously, you'll know Dylan from the show Letter Kenny, he plays one of the main characters, Riley, as the show debuted in February of 2016. Still going strong, but Kate, there's so much hockey lingo that you really got to catch up on or maybe learn as you go on when you watch this show because your brain might be processing a lot of the times if you're a newcomer. Absolutely. I mean, we hear our fair share of cliches or 
you know, hockey terminology or hockey slang, should I say, yeah. when we're doing our interviews. But, you know, a guy will drop one or two maybe in a full interview. Yeah. Letter Kenny is just <laughs> saying as many as possible as fast as you can. And it's it's hard to keep up. And you're right. They, they do have a lot of slang that's a little less mainstream. So keeps you on your toes. It's, it's fun to watch for sure. Yeah, we're going to kick off the highlights from Dylan Playfair's uh, episode on how he actually draws his junior hockey experience uh, experience from that and then into his current role in Letterkenny. So without further ado, let's sauce it over to Dylan Playfair. Just uh, you played a couple of seasons of junior hockey back home in British Columbia mm-hmm. and Penticton and Merritt. How much yeah. do you draw on those experiences into what you do now? Well, I mean, I, I think I speak on behalf of everyone who's played hockey and I say I've met a couple of Riley and Joneses along the way, you know, <laughs> um, and and having that 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 uh, that presence in the room, I I really as much as I joke about being the character guy, I really enjoyed talking in the room and I really enjoyed being on the road and being around the boys. So, man, meeting some of the friggin' meatheads you mean playing <laughs> hockey, you just shake your head and go, "How do you exist? Where did you come from? Like, what is in your DNA to make you think this way?" Yeah. Um, but I I enjoyed every part of it. So. A huge part of of rally comes from my experience playing hockey and, and yeah. not just junior yeah. but playing you know minor hockey and and midget yeah. in Calgary and road trips and you know just being from a small town yeah, and playing right. hockey in a city it's it's awesome it's uh it was the perfect schooling for this character <laughs> <laughs> for for the, for the lingo that you guys use on the show I mean obviously you draw on past experiences but how do you come up with some new stuff like what's that like I got two guys on the inside so both my brothers played in the western league Jackson and Austin play for okay. um so I would ask I would literally text them before the season Jared would text me and I would text them and say hey what's the What's the pulse? Like, what are the boys saying? And I would get... <laughs> Keeping your tabs on the Seriously, yeah, I was yeah. keeping my tabs on the 100%. lingo. Because it is it is an entirely different vernacular. There are yeah. words that exist in the hockey dressing room that nowhere else <laughs> in the world are they used. But that's, that's the cool so thing true. about the show, right? Is that so everyone true. feels like it's an honest representation of hockey players as yeah. far as how they interact with each other and how they talk. And then the fans who don't get it, they have this willingness to learn more. They're like, <laughs> what is that? Wheel snipe, Sally, what does that mean? What are you doing? You know? And the the dialogue is so much fun, and it, and it creates a lot of conversation with the fans. So, yeah, I got lucky with my brothers uh, helped me stay on the pulse. You talked about earlier in this podcast uh, things coming full circle. Well, mm-hmm. for one person, something that came full circle was your dad. Yeah, uh, he played in Fort Saskatchewan, got drafted by the Oilers, made his debut for the Oilers. How cool is it to maybe see your dad kind of really make it, cool? Yeah, really cool. I mean, when I was a kid, he, he still got the puck from the first. The first point he got, which was an assist to Gretzky, I think. <laughs> oh no way! I think it might have been in like a fourteen-two win for Edmonton, <laughs> so it wasn't per se like a game-winning goal. But hey, man, like I, I remember being a kid and, and and looking at his old Oilers jerseys, and he was the captain in Nova Scotia for their farm team, won a championship there, and you know Edmonton was always a place that he he talked very highly of, and he really enjoyed his time here. So to see him come full circle and. You know, him and Tippett get along so well, and they were obviously together in Arizona. And just to see him um, come back to a town that, that he's excited to coach with and, and, and to have the team that they have here, it's it's really cool for, for our whole family to, to see that come full circle, yeah, like for you sure. said. I got to quickly break up uh, 
something that happened when you were 17 years old. Yeah. When your dad was in Abbotsford. Uh-huh. Do you, do you know where I'm going <laughs> yeah, with this? I know where you're do you going. remember the moment when he threw a little bit of a fit on the bench? And yeah. <laughs> what was kind of going through his mind? I was trying out for the Dawson Creek Rage at the time. I was in, okay. the, I was in the Rage camp in uh, Princeton. And he called me and he goes, turn on Sportsnet. <laughs> I flicked it on. And the first thing. And Jim Playfair has lost his mind. Yeah, yeah, I and he's breaking call. sticks in the towel, <laughs> man. I was laughing. I asked him, I go, what, what, what happened there? He goes, well, the friggin' tie cinched up around my neck and I couldn't keep going. Like I was kind of starting to lose oxygen. I would have broke more. <laughs> so uh, oh. yeah, that, was, that was pretty awesome. I mean, that it's... <laughs> it's immortal now. I mean, it's in the sports net top 10 oh. freakouts from now to the end of time. So <laughs> Every single top 10 of freakouts yeah. is there. Yeah, regardless uh, of the sport. Not just hockey, baseball, uh, soccer, football, whatever it He may ripped be. a few buttons on that suit, didn't he? I, used, yeah, he <laughs> I, think, he I think they reached the other side of the ice. They ricocheted <laughs> off the far side glass there. Yeah, uh, He's still got the twigs back home in Ford, actually. I think one day we no should way. get him mounted or something. Really yeah, well, I mean... It it put that team on the map in a lot of ways. It was it actually did. pretty wild it really to did. see. Yeah, that's right. But you watch the footage though; the fans are clapping, and I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, the call was I don't know. Well, Tony, you have to laugh at that because <laughs> if you're around Jim Playfair day to day, that is polar opposite. <laughs> yeah, he right? is. He is quiet unless you engage him, in which case then he'll talk for days. But he's calm, cool, and collected. He is like an even-keeled, super chill guy. Yeah, he, like you would not guess that that was him. You would honestly guess that that's like a double of his or like a twin brother of his because, like you said, we we have the pleasure of, of being around Jim Playfair and the other coaches, and, and you would never expect that from Jim. But uh, obviously that incident happening uh, just over 10 years ago, if I'm not mistaken, I think the date was March 26th. So we just passed that uh, uh, for the decade mark. So... Uh, pretty remarkable that that happened 10 years ago because I do remember like it was yesterday. It was it was a little bit of a shaky call, like Dylan said, on the Abbotsford player who got kicked out because of goalie interference, and then Jim just proceeded to lose it. He did. Well, you know who else loses it a little bit? Who's that? Brett Kissel. Oh, when he yeah, watches he does. the Oilers. Of course he does. But boom, boom, segue to the next <laughs> right on guest. Cue. Right on cue. Right? Your, your money right now. I got you there. But <laughs> you know what? Brett Kissel, we had him on. And I think it's so cool that, you know, we have Oilers connections and Oilers fans and Oilers supporters, longtime supporters from all different realms. So when we talk about our special guests, we're not just talking in the world of hockey, we're talking outside of hockey in different sports, and in music. And Brett Kissel tells us he's been a fan since day one. Literally. Literally. Since yeah. <laughs> birth. First breath was an Oilers fan breath. And I thought it was so interesting just hearing how he's been able to navigate, you know, following the team, supporting the team on the road. He's from here, but spends a lot of his time with his family in Nashville. So... You know, there's a conflict already just being in predator territory, right? Yeah. So I think it's pretty interesting how he's been able to to keep his Oilers loyalty throughout 
and also to navigate, you know, some rivalry within the band because yeah. they're in close <laughs> yeah. quarters. Yeah, hundred percent. He said there's a lot of NHL fans there and and guys rooting for other teams, uh, but uh, he stays faithful uh, to the orange and blue. And and I just love the commitment, uh, even while he's on stage, as we'll we'll hear from him. Uh, yeah, he's still getting score updates in his ear. And Kate, that's pretty remarkable. As a guy who can't multitask, I think that's super impressive. I'm in the same boat. I cannot multitask. So <laughs> definitely, definitely impressive. And uh, you'll also hear in some of these highlights what he would give up to see the Oilers win a Stanley Cup. So now it's <laughs> even a little more drawn out as we wait for hockey to return, but we know that the Oilers are sitting in a great position. So, Brett, there's hope if you're listening. Here are some of the highlights from our conversation with Brett Kissel. And so that's how you primarily catch games now on the road? Uh, Do you have it on in the dressing room when you're getting ready for a show if the well, timing yeah. matches up? We've, we've got the NHL center ice package or whatever it is with, uh, with Rogers. So we're watching on our phones all the time. And actually, I'll tell you an interesting story. James is my stage manager. So we've got our inner monitors and we're singing on stage. And while we were on tour last year across Canada, I remember we were up in Iqaluit. And he's got the game on his phone. And so he's giving us the score in our inner <laughs> monitors while I'm singing my song and I'll no. start with That's a song dedication. and everything like that and I'm like Oilers scored McDavid from Dreisaitl <laughs> one nothing Oilers no and way. then I, so I'm just like having a great time I'm really happy or a couple games it's like yeah, four nothing. Oilers are down by four, and I'm just in a in a in a terrible mood because I'm trying to entertain. The <laughs> While fans, you're on stage, I'm on stage. Like I'm dying inside. Exactly. <laughs> if it's like against the Flames and a bunch of the guys in my band that cheer for the Flames, they're having a great time. I'm having a. Sh- time so yeah we listen to <laughs> oh, the game man. and get play by play while we're on stage that is so that doesn't cool. throw you off at not all not at all not what? at all do you ever like oh, yeah. blurt it out because you're so pumped absolutely preparing for this podcast i went online and i was doing some research and i watched the video from 2017 when the mic cuts out for the yeah. anthem and I think the headline was something along the lines of fans join in for a beautiful rendition of the Star Spangled Banner or something goosebumpy. Yeah. So I tried my own version and it was horrible. But I, I just like found myself, I was watching it and I just started singing along. How can so you not? like, yeah. of course it happened. But talk about that moment and the reaction. I'm, I'm really proud to say that if it wasn't for oil country and if it wasn't for everybody here in Edmonton, I, I would have I hit the ditch. Like, it would have been a completely different story and a completely different outcome. So 19,000 people here at Rogers saved the day, saved whoever was running sound that day, saved things for me. I'm extremely grateful that it happened the way that it did. But we have hockey ingrained in our culture and in our lifestyle. So we know the Star Spangled Banner the same way we know O Canada. So when my mic went down in the building, now on Sportsnet, the feed to the trucks was working. So people didn't really get maybe how special it was. But even on the big screen, it went black for the first 10, 15 seconds. There was a major glitch in the system. This stuff happens. But 19,000 sang the Star Spangled Banner. And I still got goosebumps thinking about it because it was one of the most magical moments of my entire life, let alone, you know, let alone my career. Let's fire up a potential situation, moment of truth. Between the Juno, CCMAs, Alberta Country Music Awards, all of those awards that you've won, 18 or so? Is that somewhere I honestly around have there? I no idea. Would yeah. you trade all of those for an Oilers Cup? 
One hundred percent. Oh, it's so I easy. Even, I wouldn't even think about it. Like if someone told me the universe said you actually need to win twenty five awards, you have no idea how I will put my nose to the grindstone and I will try to elevate my game to win more, to trade more, to get that cup. That's wow. I don't I know if there's it. anything in in the in the other than my wife and my children that would matter to me. As you much wouldn't as trade the them. <laughs> winning. Uh, no, I uh, would not that, trade them. That would for be a, a hard, hard line. My <laughs> wiener dog, Charlie, my three children, <laughs> and my wife. But everything else and everyone else is probably a little expendable. <laughs> Boris is expendable. Oh, the cats? Absolutely. The cats are out oh, yeah, the door. The Give us Alexi a cup. Later, cats. Alexi, Alexi, Igor, they're gone. You, Igor. <laughs> Savage. I mean, Kate, the cats are up. He's willing to give him up for an Oilers to win the cup. Just, oh my goodness. I can't believe that. That is, that is true commitment right there. I think it's safe to say <laughs> the guy needs to see it happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, he was born on the day that the Oilers won the 1990 Stanley Cup. So he has been waiting just like many of us for, uh, what would that be now? 30 years to the day. Uh, so uh, obviously the NHL looking to... Uh, award the Stanley Cup uh, with this playoffs. So obviously, with the COVID nineteen pandemic going on, uh, things are paused. But they do have full intentions on awarding the Stanley Cup, and the Oilers obviously going to be vying for a spot uh, in the playoffs for a long run. And and Kate, uh, they added some key pieces uh, on on the trade deadline day. So maybe Brett Kissel will be tuning in to playoff hockey this summer. I'm sure he is sitting in Nashville. In isolation with his children, which I've seen on social media, just waiting anxiously for <laughs> the return of hockey as a super hockey fan, no doubt. You know, one player who will never be signed to the Oilers because he admits to the fact that he can't skate well? Chuba Hubbard. <laughs> the uh, Oklahoma State running back, uh, the star running back, uh, admittedly says his uh, skating game could get some work. But Kate, I think he makes up for it. The man just rushed for over 2,000 yards in the 2019 NCAA season, had 21 touchdowns. Now, I know you're a football nut. That is crazy impressive. I am a huge football fan, and I am a huge Chuba Hubbard fan, and I, I really did enjoy talking to him, obviously, what he brings to the team and what he's been able to do on the field and you know, the sheer athleticism that you see when you watch him play is so cool. But honestly, Tony, I was most impressed with him as a person, yeah. his work ethic, his drive, and just how humble he is amidst all of this, this stardom, this rise to fame, you know, being in the Heisman conversation and then, you know, the the hype and the pressure he felt when the media and fans and everyone was you know, kind of watching him, waiting, pressuring him to find out whether or not he would decide to go to the NFL or whether he would go back to school. And, yeah. you know, we tried to get a little bit of dirt out of him casually. <laughs> we, we did not get it at the time, but we do know that he's made a very mature decision to go back to school, to stay in a good program, to continue to develop his skills yeah. on the field under good coaching and then move into the NFL 
when he feels he's at his peak and and hopefully at that point, you know, it moves him up in the draft class. Yeah, okay. As much as I want to see him each and every Sunday in the NFL, I think the that was the right decision. Uh, I'm a big believer in that players have to learn how to dominate. I think that's a skill. Just like how Jay Woodcroft, the head coach of the Bakersfield Condors, is infamous for saying winning is a skill. I think learning to dominate is a skill. And not to say he didn't dominate this past season. I mean, the man just had t- over 20 TDs and over 2,000 yards on the ground and 158 yards in the Texas Bowl. So he's already doing that, but he's just going to polish his skill set even more and be even more NFL ready when the time comes. But I just love how humble he is as you mentioned Kate because he says you know the great one gave him the shout out uh, Wayne Gretzky uh, just uh, sent him a message and gave him a, a PSA on saying uh, well done Chuba we're all reading for you and here in oil country and and uh, he just says uh, you know I always say uh, it's always important to to me to see how many people know what a Chuba is as you'll hear in this highlight pack but you talked about his work ethic and drive to be better well let's drive straight into the highlights from Chuba Hubbard from our conversation on Oilers In-Depth the podcast. You talk about your preparation and how you kind of had it before you went there but a lot of people have referred to you as a cerebral player, as someone that's not only athletic and versatile, but also that you are an intelligent player and that your work ethic is there. What does that mean to you to hear that, especially when you're in a conversation that's so publicized like the Heisman conversation? That means a lot. I'll put a lot of work into, you know, football and just my life in general, trying to be a good person. And I study film a lot. You know, I'm always trying to get better. I'm someone that, you know, you can never be too good. I don't try to get complacent, and that's something I've always, uh, you know, stuck, uh, stood with. And when I first got there, I was last on the depth chart, so um, that was a really humbling thing for me. And I think everyone in their life at one point needs something that really humbled them like that. So that definitely helped me. And to just work up and get to where I'm at now is is yeah, it's just it's amazing. A big reason why you are where you're at now. You said your teammates and your school. Uh, why did you choose uh, Oklahoma State? There's a lot of things that factored into it. So I actually have a friend. He's from Calgary. I don't like the Flames, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, a good answer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my friend Eamon, he was there actually before me, a year before me, and we played high school football against each other. So he kind of gave me a, a little outlook and what it's like down there and stuff like that. And I had some offers and stuff, but I don't know. Oklahoma State just felt like a home to me in a way. I wanted to go to school where it wasn't just about football about education and family and stuff like that. So, you know, I could actually just grow as a person, not just as a football player. Well, while you were performing in Oklahoma, you were getting a lot of uh, support back here with the Oilers here. Uh, Matt, we talked to Matt Benning a couple of times and he would wear the hat around. What's it like yeah. to kind of get the support as you were kind of going through your journey this season? Uh, yeah, just to see guys of, you know, that high stature to, you know, actually know me. I say this a lot to know what a tube is and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And stuff like that. It was just crazy. Um, like I said, it's, I'm just honored to be in this situation. Obviously, the great one uh, gave me a shout out, and that was crazy. That's cool. I, yeah, I didn't know what to say after that. <laughs> um, just for you know someone like that to even know who I am and acknowledge me. Um, like I said, it made me speechless. You know, yeah. words can't even you know come to my head to think of you know how special that was for me. So yeah, it's just amazing to have guys like that. You know, actually know me and talk about me and support me. We are shooting this uh, podcast uh, before you do your puck drop 
tonight. Uh, how cool is that in front of 18,500 with yeah. the Pittsburgh Penguins, nonetheless, uh, in town? Sidney Crosby yeah. Yeah. Uh, probably in the building up top. So uh, pretty cool. Pretty cool moment for you. Yeah, that's that's an amazing moment. I mean, when they said that, I was like, yeah, I'm coming home. Yeah, I need, <laughs> I need to be here for that. So <laughs> no hesitation. Yeah, there's once they told me that I was like, yeah, put me on board. Tell them I'm coming. <laughs> so, yeah, it's an honor to, you know, be here in Edmonton and, you know, drop the puck and stuff like that. And, and just be in this facility. It's it's just it's just it's surreal, honestly. Have you been practicing dropping the puck? Oh, you yeah, gotta get, you on gotta YouTube get, looking at videos how to do <laughs> it. Gotta, you hold yeah. it like this. You slap yeah, it down. Yeah, do you slap it? Should be a lot of eyes on you. Yeah, there like, is. It is so a, a pressure can't mess it up. Moment. Yeah, can't no. mess it up. So. That's a cool moment. I don't know yeah. where that would stack up versus like a big game, perhaps the bowl game you've got coming up. Like no, yeah. where does no, the puck drop stack this, up? This is... This is an amazing moment. This is at the top, definitely. This That's is awesome. what this whole thing, this whole day is. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, for a guy who is so even keeled and obviously knows how to have that mental edge in the game, yeah, I'm gonna throw it out there. We threw him off his game with that one. <laughs> you know, what? I mean, he had to have been walking onto the ice thinking. This is a bigger deal than I thought, you know, or maybe we didn't see him. Maybe he was practicing yeah. the puck yeah. drop in the bowels of the arena yeah. before it all went down. We don't know. All I know is I think we threw him off his game a little bit. We got in his head. We know number 30 for Oklahoma State is an absolute star, but even he has to be nervous when Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby are in the building for, for his December 20th puck drop. I mean... I know I would be nervous as heck. I want to make sure that that hits the blue dot right at the center ice. But uh, I think he did a good job, Kate. I think we'll give him the fair pass. I think so. And <laughs> and the crowd definitely, you know, a, a really nice warm welcome home. Yeah. I know he only had a couple of days here in Edmonton. But it's pretty remarkable to see the Edmonton community and their support of everyone who came from Edmonton and yeah. uh, regardless of what sport or where they're playing and, you know, tease up quite nicely. Another guest that we had again, outside the box, we are checking all the boxes, yep. staying on track with another athlete, but also a player that came from Edmonton, grew up in Edmonton, came here when he was around five years old and practiced, worked hard. And now he is playing over in Germany for Bayern Munich, it's Alfonso Davies. And Tony, I can't stress it enough how impressed I was yeah. with Chuba, with Alfonso, just humble, down to earth, and mature beyond their years because they are young guys. There's got to be something in oil country water with... Uh how humble these guys are because it just grounds them. They're always so grounded no matter uh, on what stage they're playing. And uh, Alfonso Davies, a left back for Bayern Munich, uh, just making a terrific first impression in Bundesliga. I mean, uh, he's he's made some incredible assists, some incredible runs, uh, incredible speed. And and just to know that he came from Edmonton with, with really, Kate, the, the cards stacked against him because not a lot of soccer products uh, from Edmonton make it all the way to the very top tier of European football but Alfonso Davies has done just that and he's showing so well I know you're a big football nut I'm a big 
the other football nut, uh, and I was trying not to fangirl, Kate. Uh, I hope, I hope I didn't embarrass us. I uh, hope I was okay, but uh, I'm a big fan of Davies. Yeah, great guy. And you know what? Since we're talking about the situation that we're in right now with the pandemic, self isolation, I should point out that while his talent is obvious on the field or on the pitch. He has been killing it on TikTok. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that, but no there is your little tidbit. If you haven't seen his TikToks, <laughs> he is lighting it up and some of them are hysterical. I downloaded the app. I have not tried it. Obviously, you know, getting back to Toronto is a priority safely, but you may see me appear on TikTok because <laughs> I'm inspired by a lot of friends who are doing it. Mostly because I admire their creativity, but if you have a chance, go check it out. While he's hanging out in isolation, he is doing his thing on TikTok. <laughs> that and is awesome. It is highly entertaining. So there you go. You know what? A really cool connection too. We talked about you know his his climb from Edmonton. He went to Vancouver, and now he finds himself in Germany. We know there is a fan favorite German in the locker room. So that's yep. how we're going to start it off. The highlights with Alfonso Davies, and he tells us what it was like for him to meet the Edmonton Oilers, including from Germany, Leon Dreisaitl. Well, then you get to come here and, and meet some of these guys. And I mean, they're world caliber athletes just yeah, yeah. in a sport that you didn't quite take to. What was it like to get to meet the Oilers? And uh, I heard you mention Leon Dreisaitl, and, and you talked to him a little bit about hockey. Yeah, Leon told me about... Uh him living in Germany, uh, he's from Cologne. Um, he told me about uh, when he he played soccer for a year, just like me, or just like when I started hockey, but mine was two weeks or one week. <laughs> His was a little longer <laughs> yeah, lived. He started for a year, and he's like, no, it's not for me. So, I mean, um, meeting these guys, you know, it's uh, it's a good experience for me. These guys are top-caliber athletes. Uh, them getting hit is different from soccer. They wear all these equipment, you know, it's, it's heavy skating around uh they play like every other day yeah so it's a lot of games 86 games i don't i can't see myself playing that much games <laughs> in soccer especially 34 is enough for me and then i go have a break but uh these athletes are they're amazing athletes strong big guys so well you talk about the adjustments and and adapting and the homesickness and all of that but what about the pressure of your career taking off and and becoming a household name and and becoming known in Edmonton, how do you how do you handle some of that and and make your own adjustments and try to keep yourself grounded? I think it's uh, the people I have around me. I have uh, very down to earth people around me, people that keep me on the ground, teammates, coaching staff, parents, friends. You know, I have a good support team around me that uh, that try to you know keep me level headed. You know, sometimes a kid, you know. Like, uh, I get amazed, especially now, now that I'm playing with uh, all these superstars, I still get, like, I still look at them and say, wow. Every time I walk in the locker room, I shake like Lewandowski hand, Coutinho hand, Thiago, Alaba. I'm like, I can't believe these are my teammates <laughs> growing up watching these guys. That's so it's, cool. It's, uh, it's truly amazing. So, yeah, I have players, you know, keeping me level-headed. Yeah, my support team is pretty good. You talk about uh, how surreal it is, right? We're having teammates like that. But um, how did you get there? How, like, what, what does it take for somebody from Edmonton, Alberta, to make it to Germany on one of the top clubs in the world? I think it's just your hunger. 
you know, soccer was very a big part of my family growing up. So when I saw that and I saw the saw all the players, you know, I want that wanted to be me. But I knew it's not going to be easy. So each and every day, um, it was the hunger in me to you know to strive to be good at the sport, to be a professional athlete. So once I made it at Vancouver, I realized like uh, I can go, I can go further if I you know keep keep working hard. So that's what I did, and now I uh, I made Bayern Munich. But my hunger doesn't stop. You know, it keeps going. I want more. I want more. I want you know. I want to win the Champions League one day. I want to win you know all the all the trophies. So I think it's the hunger in me that uh, really pushes me. Now uh, uh, I know jokingly uh, when I introduced you, I was making the Connor McDavid comparison, but there are <laughs> comparisons between your guys' games. You guys both have a lot of speed, tremendous skills. Yeah, you guys play a little bit different positions in your <laughs> respective sports, but. Who wins in a race? Alfonso Davies or Connor McDavid? On feet? <laughs> on, feet. On, on feet? On feet. I think I'll beat him. Okay, yeah. but on skates, you're going yeah, to would. <laughs> he was. Uh, he would destroy me. Yeah, you think you can take Connor on feet? Man, we should get some pay-per-view I going can, on I Oilers TV. I can take him on feet. Oilers TV pay-per-view, Alfonso Maybe Davies versus Connor McDavid. We make a big... Uh, Ice, uh, ice lane, and he goes skating, <laughs> he and I run beside him. Oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> that's it. I can do that. Would you race him on skates if the opportunity arose, or is, Would I is race hockey him on skate? in your past? <laughs> I'll race him on Two skates. Two weeks of hockey, that is it in the past. Yeah, I'll, I'll race him on skates. You would? Okay. Uh, why not? Why not? We might Just need to set that up. There might be some red tape. Just a little <laughs> bit, but I, I'd watch. And then after, we run on feet. Obviously, Kate, as we mentioned, Alfonso Davies, just like Chuba Hubbard, uh, super grounded. He's not going to admit to winning a race. But, Kate, I'm actually going to put you on the spot. Now, if Chuba Hubbard, Alfonso Davies, and Connor McDavid were all lined up on the track, who would win in a foot race? I thought you were going to put me on the spot, literally. <laughs> and I'm like, not me. <laughs> Definitely not. Hard no. Turtle. Anyway. <laughs> You know what? I thought about this when we were when we were doing the podcast and of course, you know, any athlete we're comparing to Connor McDavid cuz his speed on the ice is absolutely remarkable. But I'm going to go back to the basics, the foundation that Chuba ran track, does run track and has the training. I think there is a big edge in having a good start, a proper start and good form. So for the sake of it, in a foot race, Chuba. You're going with Chuba Hubbard. Sorry, Connor. <laughs> oh, you know what, though? We do have to give Connor, like, the easy win on skates. I mean, I don't think anyone in the world oh. can really beat 97, but I, you know what? Actually, Joachim Nygaard. Actually, oh, yeah. You know at what? At the skills comp. That's right. Joachim Nygaard did get the win at the skills comp. Um, obviously... Uh, two very talented Oilers, uh, Oilers players. But, Kate, uh, on the track, I'm going to have to disagree with you. I think Alfonso Davies would win. I think Chuba Hubbard's acceleration is a little bit faster than Davies. But, man, I- I'm not sure if you've seen this man on the pitch, but this guy can move. And I think... I think his top speed is uh, is what's going to drive him over the finish line first, but we will have to give uh, Connor McDavid the win on ice for sure. However, we might be we might be giving uh, Connor the unfair advantage here because there is old footage of Wayne Gretzky racing against Pele, Sugar Ray Leonard, and Boyan Berg in a race, and Gretzky absolutely winning by a landslide on a track in 1982. They raced. <laughs> 
Did you know that? I did not know that. I was not alive in 1982. (laughs) Neither was I. That was 10 years before my time. But uh, Gretzky just dominated the race. So might actually translate well on the track. We've never seen Connor run on feet before. But uh, hey, just food for thought. This is, you know, it sounds like some off-season content brewing. (laughs) The showdown. Edmonton versus Edmonton versus Edmonton product. I think we came up with a million dollar idea. There it is. I'll take the million. We'll watch the race. Perfect. (laughs) Well, uh, that's going to conclude the best of three part series of all the guests we've had on season two of the podcast. Kate, uh, we know you're going to Toronto to self isolate at home. Uh, We wish you all of the best and uh, keep it locked in on edmontonoise.com for even more content as we continue to interview players uh, from their homes. We've already talked to head coach Dave Tippett, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Alex Chason, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and I'm sure there's going to be plenty more to come. So keep it locked in on edmontonoise.com and Oilers TV. And of course, Kate, uh, we hope that everyone listening uh, stays safe stays healthy, and most importantly, stays happy during the next undefined amount of time.